0: This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. 12
1: and 2. It's real. The Mariners are 12 and 2, Stacy.
2: Yep, I saw it happen.
1: <laughs> with our, her own Saw it
2: happen with my own eyeballs.
1: It's still weird as the winds continue to stack up. Yeah, I think... Looking at it, just how we all felt about this team not even three weeks ago. And all of a sudden now, you kind of have to adjust your expectations of what's going on.
2: You mean for the season?
1: I, I would... I'm starting to. Really? 12-2 and two is not something that you fluke your way into. That's You fair. don't fluke your way into 12 wins in 14 games in baseball. you got to have something going for yourself. And, and the Mariners... I think right now, have something going for themselves. Whether or not they can sustain this over the long haul remains to be seen, but it is certainly a blast to watch them continue to stack wins the way they have. Curtis Rogers and Stacey Ross here, Seattle Sports at Night. We've got a quick one here, so if you blink, you don't want to miss it. Uh, if, if you blink, you have a chance of missing it, so don't miss it. Coors like Text Line is there for you. 710 710. We've got a lot to get to here, including, obviously, Russell Wilson talk, because, I mean, what else is there to talk about outside of the Mariners other than Russell Wilson? It feels like
2: the biggest and only maybe Seahawks story right now.
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely the only Seahawks story, especially with how little draft capital the Seahawks have. We'll get into that uh, in about 15 minutes from now. But holy cow, these Mariners, they just can't stop winning And that is a great problem to have. I figure, why not wait any longer? Let's get into what is on Wednesday's timeline. And you heard it right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. You
2: heard it here first. The Mariners
1: won. You actually did. The Mariners win tonight 6-5 over the Kansas City Royals. Game was back and forth. Mariners got out to an early lead. Kansas City would then retake the lead. But then in the top of the ninth inning, a tie ball game, two outs, Mitch Hanniger steps to the dish, and he gives the Mariners a lead they would not relinquish.
0: Boxberger from the stretch and the 0-1 pitch. Swing and a fly ball to right field and deep. Into the corner, going back, Merrifield, goodbye baseball. With one swing of the bat, the Mariners have tied a major league record, and they have set a major league record. It is the 14th consecutive game in which the Mariners have hit a home run. That ties the 2002 Cleveland Indians. And with run number six, the Mariners take the lead 6-5 to five on Hanniger's home run is third of the year.
1: I mean, they're setting records along the way. It's not just them winning ball games, but they're doing it in a way that has never been done before. So I have a
2: real question. Okay. If they get a home run tomorrow, I'm calling it morning
1: Yes. That's it's a ten, warning yeah, to me. It's a 10-15 first pitch.
2: Does that is uh is that 2002 record the the longest standing record so that then sets a new MLB record? I believe correct? so. Okay.
1: Yeah. This At least is, for the,
2: to start a season, not yeah. just a stretch.
1: All right. Uh yeah, 14 straight games they've started the season with a home run tying the 2002 Cleveland Indians Ball Club.
2: Formerly the Cleveland Spiders.
1: Yes. Shout out to the Spiders. They hold a very soft spot in the Seattle Sports at Night Heart. Shout out to the Seattle Sports at Night Army. The San Army. (laughs) That's what you guys are. Yep,
2: all the Sasans out yeah, there. Yeah,
1: Coors Light Textline line is there for you. 710, 710. If you're part of the SAN Army, report for duty tonight.
2: All five of you.
1: Yeah, shout out to you guys. But uh, also tonight, say Kikuchi goes six innings, six, I would say, solid innings, five hits, three runs, one walk, three strikeouts, uh, through 80 pitches. It was his first ever start on a regular rest. He had had. Every single start to this point on extended rest. Today was the first time he did it on four days rest. And I, I thought he looked pretty decent. He left a couple of balls up there. The Jorge Soler home run and the Hunter Dozier home run. Both of those went over 450 feet. So, Holy cow. but he was able to, Seem shake to settle in, off. though. He did. And I think it was good to see him. I think it's been good to see him over the last couple of starts shake off some struggles and also some... You know, games where it's not exactly going his way, but he's able to labor through and, and come out on the other end looking solid. We saw it against the White Sox where they got off to a, a terrible start. They were down, I think, 6-1 to one at one point, uh, and then Kikuchi settled in and gave the Mariners a good outing that day. Uh, another interesting note in today's game, Jay Bruce leaving in the fourth inning with some Achilles tightness. That's that's not, not a good great. area you want... That's not an area you want to injure because of just how important that is. Uh, Jay Bruce leading the American League in home runs if he's out for any kind of extended time. Not a good look for the Mariners' offense, but... They were able to make it work, and just how deep the Mariners' offense has been, Domingo Santana then steps in and plays the rest of the game out in left field. So well, that's one thing to keep out uh, on watch for tomorrow. I would imagine Jay Bruce gets the day off, considering it's a day game, following a night yeah. game less rest for him, so I wouldn't expect to see Jay Bruce back in the Mariners lineup until they return to play Houston this weekend. But yeah, Mariners 12-2 and two on the season to start it off. They are looking just unbelievable right now. Another thing pretty unbelievable would be seeing Earl Thomas back in a Seahawks uniform ever again. I think that's a pretty safe bet to say that I don't see it ever happening. Well, no, but... but- <laughs> Earl Thomas.
2: Hold on to your butt.
1: He thinks it could possibly happen. He joined the Rich Eisen show. Now, this is a guy who the ink may not have even dried yet on his Baltimore Ravens contract. And he's already thinking about his next destination.
2: Hold up, because I interpreted this whole thing as him saying I would like to retire uh, and have his career recognized as that of a Seahawks career. So meaning you want to go into the Ring of Honor when you're inducted into the Hall of Fame, it would be as a Seahawk. That's kind of how I took it.
1: Well, here is what Earl Thomas told Rich Eisen today about his desires to retire as a Seahawk one day later in the future.
3: Yeah, I, I envision I myself retiring as a Seahawk. Uh, I would never burn a bridge there. Uh, you know, I still love my teammates. Uh, i definitely see myself signing maybe a one-day one, one day, uh, deal, and hopefully they'll, they'll, they'll hang my, my jersey in the Raptors.
2: See, a one-day deal, that's symbolic.
1: Yeah, but him saying that he would never burn a bridge seems okay, a little...
2: So here's the thing. Mm. Is there a different standard for the way that Earl Thomas might react to something versus another player? Because I think there is a little bit. Earl Thomas is notoriously kind of a weird dude. And I think, I mean, this is a guy who suffered a broken leg. And then later during the game, like there were reports of him retiring. Didn't he say that during the game he tweeted he was thinking about retiring? Uh, Yeah,
1: something like that. He was like, oh, man, I got to rethink everything.
2: I just think in a decade or more... Uh, when when it gets to be that like ring of honor conversation people are having, no one's going to be upset or mad that Earl Thomas flipped off the sideline when he was being carted off the field after breaking
1: his leg. Oh, absolutely. I think there is going to be a a large portion of Seahawks fans that will just absolutely forgive anything that like Richard Sherman has said about the Seahawks yeah. front office or the this Seahawks. This has all
2: just happened.
1: Yeah, exactly. So the wounds are fresh. The wounds are, are very fresh. Uh Earl Thomas though, like you pointed out, Stacy, he's a guy that has foot and mouth disease a lot, where he'll he will say things without thinking about the con or the magnitude of what he has said, and then all of a sudden he has to backtrack. We saw it with him entering the Cowboys locker room a couple seasons ago. Him saying, you know, come get me to Jason Garrett and then having to explain himself. And then like, well, see how it really happened was. Well,
2: I don't think that the finger was toward the organization. It was specifically a Pete Carroll.
1: Yeah, that's what he'd said. I I don't know. I just him saying that he doesn't burn bridges or hasn't burned a bridge. Oh, well, yeah, you burned
2: like a tiny one, but not. I mean, compare it to. Well, then him also the exit s- of other
1: yeah, but players. then also him sitting out practice whenever he felt like it. At, at the very end, he could have handled it a lot better than what he did. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Here. Okay, <laughs> Earl Thomas. He was on with Rich Eisen today. Uh, some other Seahawks news. Five days remain in the Russell Wilson negotiations. If you miss Bob Gross and Tom today at all, uh, make sure you check out that podcast. Our very own Jake Heaps. Yep. He of Seattle Sports and Night fame. I think that's what he's most known he's, for. I
2: think he is most known from that. And then yeah. he might have played football. I don't know for sure, but he definitely is known for being on the Seattle Sports and Night.
1: Yeah, he hopped on with Bob Grouse and Tom today as he does every single Wednesday. He did it from the shores of Hawaii today. Oh, like, I
2: totally forgot he went on vacation yeah, without us. I mean, okay, I'm mad again.
1: Yeah, come on, Jake. Uh, But he hopped on with those guys and gave some very interesting insight into what he thinks is going on uh, with the negotiations between Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. We're going to get into those conversations coming up in about 15 minutes from now, or actually coming up in about uh, 10 minutes from now when uh, we hear what Jake had to say about Russell's contract situation, including the time frame in which he thinks this deal gets done also more russell wilson contract talk jason lockon for of cbs sports he's out there putting together some trade scenarios that he thinks would be a good idea one of them involving russell wilson it also involves the number 1 draft pick it also involves the new york giants Kyler Murray gets shifted around. There is a lot of moving like a pieces.
2: three-way trade proposal.
1: Yeah, which those don't really ever happen. That's what in the I'm NFL.
2: saying. This isn't baseball.
1: No, in or the NBA or anything like that. So would it ever go down like that in the NFL? Who knows? Also, the AAF. We're gonna get This is into a story this. I
2: can't wait for. Yeah,
1: you and I. We have been on the Fire Festival AAF comparison bandwagon, I think long before anybody else.
2: Yes. I think we before it was cool. And then once people started doing that, I I hated it.
1: Yeah. We sniffed it out, I think from about week two when that two hundred and fifty million dollar bail. My Fire
2: Festival, you know, Dinger just started bing 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 scam.
1: It it was going off so loud, I had to turn off Stacey's mic a couple of times. This is true. It's like, well, okay, we can't have that noise going out. Over I was the very
2: air. disruptive.
1: Yeah, just a a nuisance. But
2: we'll dig into it.
1: We will absolutely. The AF facing a class action lawsuit filed against them by a couple of former players. Uh, just a bad, bad look for that league or the, the remnants of that league, especially with how quickly they pulled the plug. Also on the timeline, uh, an interesting story coming from the world of Jeopardy, which
2: I wondered if you would get to this. I yeah. thought we would have run out of time. No. Oh, no.
1: There's no, we will never run out of time. For I don't a story. recognize
2: your concept of time when yeah, it comes to Jeopardy.
1: Exactly. Uh, time. I, I control the time and we have enough time for this. But if you didn't know, if you watched last night's episode, a professional sports bettor broke the Jeopardy record for most money won in a single episode with over $100,000 won. He won, in fact, one hundred ten thousand dollars and nine, uh, fell by the name of James Holzhauer, 34 years old, smashing the previous record set in 2010 of $77,000. That is so much coin, and I feel like Jeopardy! is that one game show that everybody looks at and says, Oh, I could, I could totally do that. Yeah,
2: I do that thing of where uh, you shout out the wrong answer, and then he says the answer, and you go, Oh, yeah. Yes.
1: Oh, yeah. Duh.
2: That, I just had to think totally about it for a minute. That. They phrased it weirdly, but now I know.
1: Do you know Dave Wyman keeps score at home while watching no, Jeopardy? No, he does not. He definitely does. He, keeps, he has How- his own scorecard. That he writes I wonder how every single long
2: week. he's got them all correct in a row,
1: i mean i think he's said, you know, on pretty normal circumstances he he beats the winner, I
2: want to get like a work thing where we all get scorecards for Jeopardy on the same night, oh, so yeah, that we yeah. can compare each other's scores,
1: yeah, it obviously
2: can't be tonight. Jeopardy is over,
1: that's true, maybe tomorrow, yeah, well. There is an opportunity. No,
2: we're, we we'll, we'll be on air tomorrow. That's true. During the yeah, show, that's right. Join it airs, us.
1: It airs at seven thirty yeah. every night. So perfect
2: timing. Yeah. And Did we you know what we're talking yeah. about? Yeah.
1: So this guy, hundred and ten thousand dollars in one night. Uh, he won thirty eight thousand dollars on his final Jeopardy question, which means he entered into Final Jeopardy. I think. At or near the record.
2: It also means he's a nerd. Yeah.
1: Okay, pal. Like, uh, <laughs> quit showing off. All right. Yeah. Uh, the final Jeopardy category, uh, or the question was, uh, ironically, it's a metaphor meaning a huge step forward, but this two-word process only occurs on a subatomic scale.
2: Which who doesn't know the answer?
1: And, well, this guy did. The answer is Quantum Leap, and he got it uh, $110,000. That's a nice day at the office. A very nice day at the Sounds office.
2: Sounds like a really smart dude.
1: Probably. I mean, he's a professional better. I think he got to be a little bit smart. When to, he said
2: he started get... in 2006, so he would have been 21. So Man. at 21, and that's when he's saying he started. Yeah. Legally, you can't. That's so, true. I mean, he might have been doing this for a long time. Oof. Math makes you rich.
1: You know what else makes you rich? Being a quarterback in the NFL. There
2: you go, Curtis. Russell
1: Wilson on the verge of a payday. How likely is it going to happen? Well, our very own Jake Heaps, he shed some big-time insight earlier today on 710 ESPN Seattle. We will get into that right here. This is Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle
0: live from the alaska Airlines studio this is seattle sports at night with curtis rogers jake heaps and stacy rost on 710
1: espn seattle we have the the seattle sports tonight army reporting for duty on, on the cool yeah, side we do. checking line. in 710 710 from the 206 bruh i'm reporting <laughs> and then uh the two five three. I
2: like this one.
1: Yeah, they said number six reporting. <laughs> so we said that there was about five people out there who are are members of the Seattle Sports and Night Army. We
2: drastically underestimated.
1: There's six out there. Shout out to the two five three. Shout out number six. Yeah. I mean, just always holding it down right here. Late night. Above brew. and beyond. Absolutely. We Thank do it for all you people who, who can't fall asleep right now. Yeah. Or those who are going to work. Uh, coming back from work maybe as well. Uh, But, yeah, shout-out to you guys for holding it down. Uh, Coors Light Text Line is always there for you, 710-710. You can listen to our show via the 710 Sports app. It is driven by your Puget Sound Accurate Dealers. Now, if you heard in the first segment on what's on the timeline, CBS Sports' Jason Locke on Fora, he said earlier today, don't hold your breath on an extension for Russell Wilson. That's coming up. Uh, in our next segment, in Big If True, as we do each and every night here on Seattle Sports tonight. But first, we are going to break down the latest on Russell Wilson's contract situation from our very own, our guy, the quarterback who holds it down with us uh, late at night, Jake Heaps, who I think he sounds a little bit more optimistic than what Jason Lock on Fora is, is out there talking about. And. Jake is our guy, obviously. and Is I th- he, though? Because he's in Hawaii without us right now. That's true, which is not very our guy yeah. behavior.
2: He's he's not one of our guys.
1: I know if you had a I trip to Hawaii. I would absolutely
2: take you and Jake with me. Yeah. Yes, without
1: thinking twice. Exactly. And, I mean, we would definitely take Jake away from his wife, yep. away from his kid. Yep. Uh, to go with us. Yeah. For sure. Yes. We would
2: need him there to to get some cool like perks. Yo, so it's yeah. part of it. It's a little self-serving, but... Always
1: have a friend like Jake keeps in your life. That's the thing. He can open doors for you. <laughs> Just saying.
2: Have you ever been to a Sheraton?
1: He's got points. <laughs> Lots of points to redeem. But
2: he did not take us.
1: No, he did not. But
2: he had some takes. I wasn't as good at the transition as you were, but let's... We can get
1: into his. We can. We absolutely can. Well, he joined Bob Graz and Tom as, as he does every single Wednesday, and he was asked a lot about Russell Wilson because, obviously, Jake knows Russell Wilson. He played with him uh, you know, during his years with the Seahawks, and they were asking him a lot about what he feels, is, or kind of his insight into the whole negotiations between Wilson's camp and the Seahawks, and everybody points to that April 15th deadline, and We've heard Russell Wilson's camp say that they're not going to negotiate beyond April 15th. That is it. That is where the line has been drawn. Nothing beyond April 15th. Well, Jake, he thinks that April 15th also could be a very hard deadline.
4: I don't think it's a soft deadline. I think this is pretty straight up, uh, is that, hey, we're <laughs> – we gave you this deal, uh, this deadline, and uh, hopefully we can reach an agreement by then. And if not, we're going to table our conversation. So if you mean soft in terms of eventually this could get done next year after the season, uh, that's kind of what they're talking about is Russ doesn't want to talk about contract uh, with the team. Or with the media or anybody until after next season, until basically you get the next cycle. Then it's okay. Do we franchise tag him? Do we trade him? Do we sign him to a multi-year deal? That's kind of where it's at. It's you know kind of April fifteenth for this year, or you got to wait till next year to get it done.
1: When you hear that Russell Wilson's camp has set this deadline and they're not going to negotiate beyond April fifteenth, and Jake kind of backing that up and saying, you know, it's either before the 15th, or they're going to wait the entire calendar season, where would you feel more comfortable with the Russell Wilson negotiations? Would it be...
2: If I were GM, Like, would I sign it now, or would I... Yeah. Uh, I think I would do it now, but I'm a scaredy pants, and the thought of my job being tied to the performance of my quarterback, uh, it would make me... Nervous to lose a franchise quarterback, knowing that there are franchises that have gone decades without one um, or franchises in the NFC West that have gone through several, several in the time span that Wilson has been here. Um, That doesn't mean I think that it's going to get done. I mean, it's a that deadline is the day after a Game of Thrones.
1: (laughs) It's that close. Like that's how important this is.
2: Yeah, I do Game of Thrones time.
1: It's also so, tax day.
2: It's also tax day. Which is,
1: I think, in terms of importance, it might be a little bit more important slightly, than
2: Game of Thrones. Slightly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Don't you? Or do you wait? I mean, here's the thing. You still have club control. Yeah. That sounds very baseball-y, but you can still franchise tag them for up to three years. You probably don't do all three because it'll get so expensive, but at least one.
1: I think if you're the Seahawks... If you want to throw your weight around and really kind of assert yourself as an organization that won't be pushed around by anybody, I think you play this out as long as possible and franchise tag Russell Wilson next season and say, you know what, like we're calling your bluff here. You're going to operate on our clock, on our time. We're not going to operate on your time. And if you think we're going to operate on your time, You've been wrongfully mistaken. That's if you're the Seahawks and you really want to assert yourself as a franchise that can't be pushed around by players in the way that we kind of. Well, actually, they well, have do you been
2: operate. Able to do, that. do you operate differently with the franchise quarterback? I don't think it's weird for organizations to force select players, and most especially with quarterbacks, to operate a little bit differently. And I don't think that a player. I don't think that you're fourth wide receiver is expecting to get the leniency um, or flexibility that you have with your quarterback.
1: Yeah. I think if they they want to go that route of giving him the franchise tag, they can do it from that angle of, like, this is us asserting ourselves. But I would be much more comfortable as someone who, who watches the Seahawks and has seen how bad the quarterback situation has been in years past, where they kind of just plug and play anybody that has a pulse quarterback, and now you've got a guy who you've waited your entire franchise's existence. I think, in terms of like the most harmonious situation, I think you got to sign Russell Wilson before that April 15th deadline if you want him reporting to Camp Happy, if you want his agent to just kind of leave you alone. Because I can't imagine dealing with Mark Rogers day in and day out. It's pleasant.
2: Well, that's the thing. it's He'll report to camp. Nothing will change if you're from the point of view of a Seahawks fan or another player at camp or anything. He's going to be there. But those stories are going to continue to come out. If that April 15th deadline isn't met, it's going to feel like all season – we're going to hear stories about different trade reports and rumors and what could be happening. So that story isn't dying if you're front office.
1: No. And with the deadline approaching, how close are Russell Wilson and the Seahawks to getting a deal done? Here's what Jake has heard the latest.
4: I don't think that they are close right now or else the deal would get done. And and who knows? I mean, they the Seahawks could be laughing at this whole thing and call – You know, April fourteenth or on April fifteenth, and they get this deal done, and it's and it's a it's a no brainer situation, Uh, like we all hope and wish it would be.
1: Now, hearing that the Seahawks and Russell Wilson, but in Jake's words, aren't close to a deal right now, it doesn't really surprise me. I think if you're the Seahawks, you're going to take this out till at least the very end of April fifteenth mm-hmm. and Which you're... they
2: did for his last extension.
1: Exactly. He signed what, the day before training camp? Mm-hmm. The and night before. Yeah. It was like the news. middle of the night too. And then yeah. the news leaked out. I think it was Peter King had the had the first story on that. But if you're the Seahawks, there really is no there's no advantage to getting the deal done right now as opposed to the fifteenth. Can need... you think is can you think of one? Of getting the deal done right now as opposed oh, to waiting no, until the 15th? Oh, no, no.
2: I don't think – I think that for – from now until the 15th, I, I think it truly doesn't matter when, when they get it done then. I don't think there's any message that changes if you get it done by that date. Like, I think it could be hard to argue that, like, if they cared more, they would have gotten it done sooner. It's like, look, they got it done. But if they don't, I think you go back to that Lock and for report that we'll get into in the next segment – where he talked about what Wilson and his camp could be feeling which is just generally not appreciated.
1: Yeah, and, and we all want to feel appreciated by our employer. I think Russell Wilson is just like everybody else and people kind of like, "Oh, well he's getting paid 17 million already. Like how can you feel unappreciated?" It's like, "Well, he wants to get the market value for himself in the way that all of us want to get the market value." That's the value thing. For
2: Don't ourselves. compare it to your salary. Yeah. I know most of you know this, but just the average person once in a while is like, I would be happy with $1 million. And it's like, bro, but what if the guy next to you was making $33 million? Yeah,
1: then you wouldn't be happy. <laughs> you
2: would not be happy with $1 million. And what if you could break your leg tomorrow?
1: Yeah, and then you would not be able to make any more money, at least on that level, the rest of your life. Shout out to my roommate
2: who fractured her leg yesterday.
1: Oh, no. Fell down the stairs. Whoa. Yeah. That's not good. She's fine. Okay, that's good.
2: Yeah. It was a baby fracture.
1: Oh, so like a like a hairline fracture? Yes. Fracture's a fracture. <laughs> I mean, still going to the hospital, getting True. the x ray.
2: You know, shout out to anyone who's had a fracture, really. Let's take this yeah. let's take this moment to just recognize you guys. Absolutely.
1: Thank you, Stacey. I've, yeah. I've oh, you've had one? Yeah. yeah. I uh, broke my hand in second grade in PE. Shout out to Lake Young's Elementary.
2: Let's just do a series of shout outs.
1: Yeah. Shout out uh, when the time I broke my big toe. At my friend's house in college. So, yeah.
2: What's wrong with you? I
1: don't know. Those are the only two fractures I've had. Okay. Uh, Coors like Text Line coming in. Uh, A lot more people joining the Seattle Sports Tonight Army. We've got about five people trying to clamor to be um, member number seven of the Army.
2: I accept.
1: So that means if you guys want to sort it out yourself, then now we're up to about 12. I'm
2: about to respond like, yo, you're eight. Hang on to that number.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah. Just keep those texts coming in. Let's get those numbers higher and higher and higher. Uh, Let's
2: get to fourteen.
1: Yeah, let fourteen. I think that's a good
2: goal. Fourteen is our goal for the night. There we go. There we go. Uh,
1: Jake also asked, "When does he think this deal will get done? If they don't get it done by April fifteenth, here is his answer.
4: Right now, I'm not very confident about this April fifteenth deadline. I know that conversations have been slim to none, basically as of right now." That can all change. Uh, it can change with one phone call. I, I mean, it can happen at any time, but, uh, I would anticipate that if there's going to be any time that this deal gets done, just off of what I know right now, uh, I, I would say that it gets done next year. Um, I don't, I have a hard time seeing them get this thing done by April 15th, um, just in where they're currently at. Uh, but I, I think that it would be more likely for them to be able to get this thing done, uh, next year after the season's over.
1: Uh, text from the eight one three asking where is Jake in Russell Wilson's camp? Like out in the woods, or is he like chilling around the campfire? with A great question. Homies?
2: Jake would absolutely be by the fire.
1: Yeah, he seems like a guy who'd be you know throwing paper onto the fire. Getting, yeah, yeah, gathering yeah. Sticks. trying to help. Brock well, would be singing. Yeah. Yes, Brock would be like giving Russell Wilson a shoulder rub because <laughs> Brock's very, <laughs> Brock's very hands on.
2: What <laughs> bob would be sanitizing everything yeah
1: yeah so i think that's where in russell wilson's camp uh this would all be uh, so. i will
2: say you know getting back to this i will say that jake has never he when we were talking about this when he first said that the conversation was rolling with that it was it was the day that that deadline was reported he he never since then has sounded not optimistic that a deal would get done. He wasn't like confident it would get done before the deadline. But it seems like in, in at least that clip and in that interview with Bob Gros and Tom, he still thinks like, yeah, I mean, ultimately, like, why wouldn't they do it? It's just that that deadline's so soon. But it, it's I think that that is a different tone than the one that is coming from maybe a national perspective. I will say that.
1: And we're going to hear from that national perspective next. CBS Sports is Jason Locke on Fora. Uh, he's throwing out some wild trade scenarios involving Russell Wilson. Do they pique your interest? Are they something you would pull the trigger on? We take a listen to what he had to say. Coming up next in Big If True, Curtis Rogers, Stacy Ross, Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle.
0: You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers,
1: Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost.
0: Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on
1: 710 ESPN Seattle. Text line stays blowing up here, Stacy. A lot of people still checking in.
2: I'm really proud of us. Yeah, uh, By us, I don't mean me and you. I mean all of us. Yeah,
1: every single one of you who are out there listening tonight, making sure that your voice is heard there. Uh, we've got uh, someone checking in from the 206 saying, hey, I'll be number 48. I raced motorcycles, I fractured lots of bones, even named my cat Fracture.
2: I got from the 425, 8 is my favorite number. 425, you are actually 9, but because of that, You will get number eight.
1: Yeah, from the 253. You deserve it. Number nine, Soldier, word up. Uh, We've got, what is it, from the 360. Count me in for checking in. Give me whatever number. Just happy to be in there somewhere. Also, y'all rock. Well, thank you so much. Uh, The 808 checking in. The Big Island. So shout out to, to the homies out in the air. It's like, what, 730? Just past 730 out on the Big Island. So, I mean, shout-out to them. 360, proud to be part of the late-night crew. Yeah. A lot of fun. A lot of fun to be had here on Seattle Sports at Night. Make sure you're downloading the podcast, too, while you're at it. Uh, You can subscribe to the Seattle Sports at Night podcast on Apple Podcasts, also on Google Play. You can download it uh, at 710sports.com. Click on the podcast tab. Every single hour of every single show is there for you, but especially our show. (laughs) Honestly, that's
2: don't even need the other ones. Yeah.
1: You come to us for just Come everything. here
2: for us and then stay for like Rock and salt.
1: There you go. Yeah. You know. John Clayton. Well, well, who cares? Bob, Crows and yeah. Tom. Wow. Danny, but then us. Danny Danny but then Davenmore. Seattle Sports at yeah. Night. <laughs> Bam. Right there.
2: <laughs> We're the closer.
1: We absolutely are. Now, with how rotational our cast can be here yeah. on Seattle Sports at Night, are we... Implementing the Mariners' philosophy of closer by committee, where sometimes it's you and me, sometimes it's you and Jake, sometimes it's me and Jake. I think so. Sometimes yeah. Sometimes it's all three of us.
2: Yes. Yep. So
1: closer by committee. We're a
2: closer by committee situation. Just as the
1: Mariners today with Rowanus Elias.
2: The opposite being that if you see all three of us, it's a good thing.
1: Yes, absolutely. Whereas if you see three different guys. Coming not a ninth good thing. Inning, probably not the best thing for the Mariners. Uh, but right now, we tease before the segment, uh, talking about Jason for of CBS Sports, who today came out with some pretty wild trade scenarios involving Russell Wilson. Now, this is a guy who... I feel like these trade scenarios don't just... They don't come out of thin air. He's very well-connected in the NFL. Oh, yeah. He's got a lot of sources in the league. So... I wonder if these did, in fact, come from thin air or if there is something to them. So that's going to bring us to tonight's Big If True.
0: This can't be happening. Big. You can't be serious, man. If. Did, did he, say he say that? True. History is going to change. The bottom line on the hottest opinions of the day.
1: You cannot be serious. One of the hottest opinions of the day. Coming from Jason Fora. I believe this is coming from his podcast. And here is a crazy, I guess crazy. I don't know if we can sufficiently label it that until we've actually heard it. Right. But here is a trade proposal that Lacanfora Fora brought out to the community involving the Seahawks, the Giants. He
2: made himself vulnerable.
1: He did. And also the Arizona Cardinals. How
3: about this one? Arizona Cardinals. Get picked six and seventeen from the New York Football Giants plus a future first round pick. The New York Football Giants get Russell Wilson. The Seattle Seahawks get the first overall pick and take Kyler Murray. Wow! Wait, wait, wait! wait. So the Cardinals get six and seventeen, and keep Josh yep. Rosen. Yep. they send one to. They the... go right six. You could take. Noah Fant, right? You could take you could take a potentially generational tight end, whichever the Iowa kids you like more. And at seventeen, you could still possibly take the first wide your pick of a wide receiver in the draft. And you think you've built your offensive lineup, and you 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 you, you will remember how to use David Johnson after forgetting about how to use him for a year. And you say, "Hey, Josh, look at this. We built this all for you."
1: I mean, it kind of came out of nowhere that that trade proposal and. It's interesting that a lot of these trade proposals involve the giants of all teams. Well, I think it's
2: I think that the Colin Cowherd story that came out a while ago that that Wilson would want to play in a bigger market. I don't necessarily think that he's out there telling people that, but I think that when you know Russell Wilson's persona and none of us know him like on a personal level, like he you you see what a franchise quarterback will let you see. This is something that I think I'm talking about from the point of view of you work in sports and this is someone who clearly is very interested about having a public facing career while they're in sports and also after. I think it's an easy jump to say he probably want to play in a bigger market, why not? Like I think that that's an assumption that like any sports reporter or journalist could make. But does that mean there's like absolutely no truth to it? Yeah. I don't know about that. But I think it's kind of the same with this trade scenario where with the thing to the Giants, I I think a lot of it just stems from a general assumption people might have versus him saying, you know, to Colin Cowherd, I want to play for the Giants.
1: And I wonder and we've kind of talked about this too in the past is do athletes nowadays need to be in the biggest markets to in order to make their star shine brighter. Mm -hmm. Do you need to be in New York or LA or Chicago to have your sway be bigger than anybody else's? I don't think it's as important nowadays. No. Especially in the NFL and especially because in the NFL, the way that they market their superstars may be the best of any league in the, in the entire American sports landscape. Maybe the NBA is also on that level where guys who are in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Green Bay, Wisconsin, Minneapolis, you know, these these cities that aren't exactly media meccas where, you know, every move is going to be critiqued, guys in those markets are still able to be the biggest sports figure or the biggest figures in these in the NFL. Yeah. I think you could lump Seattle kind of in with those not necessarily in terms of like what the city is like, but in terms of media market and spotlight on a city, I think you would put Seattle at a level lower than New York and Miami and Chicago and LA and maybe even Philadelphia throw that in there as well. And I I don't think athletes nowadays need those huge markets the way that if if it was the eighties and nineties, I think that they kind of flock to.
2: Yeah. I, I totally agree. I'm gonna. I have two things to say. Uh, one is a question from our text line that works with this conversation, and I actually think is a really fair point. First, uh, shout out Bo, officially number seventy-eight. Bo, okay, says what's up, um, and this is from the two five three. Uh, he said, or she said, please explain what the crisis is over the Russell Wilson signing. It's only a temporary deadline. He wants no distractions after April fifteenth. There's plenty of time after the season to get it done. No, so why I think it's a really interesting question is because I do think that it's something that we don't always address in these conversations, and and that is <clears throat> what the future of that looks like, and and what what not signing him by this means not financially. What are you saying by not doing it now that has nothing to do with, oh, do you franchise tag him? Or, oh, do you have to pay more? Outside of those considerations and financial considerations, what you say by not signing him now, I I think is very telling. And I think that's what the concern is, maybe from Wilson's camp.
1: Yeah, I think I I agree. The, The biggest concern is the message that it will send to Russell Wilson like you said and his people is if he doesn't get this deal done i think every i think everybody in Wilson's camp kind of has to look at it and say all right we we kind of have an idea now of where we are in terms of priority within the Seahawks organization and if that doesn't if that doesn't come to fruition if the extension doesn't happen by the 15th you got to wonder Does Russell Wilson feel valued? Well, Jason LaConfora and Will Brinson of CBS Sports, uh, they were talking also about how Russell Wilson maybe feels like he's not as wanted as he would be elsewhere.
3: Do you think he wants to stay in Seattle? Does he want to go somewhere else? I mean, I think you you want to be wanted. I think you want to be enveloped and um, embraced and encouraged and loved up. In the same manner that Arthur Blank and Rich McKay were loving up Matt Ryan a year ago, which at the same time, I'm sitting there saying, why isn't Seattle talking the same way about their quarterback and The same way Mark Murphy would have been talking about Aaron Rodgers at last year's owner's meetings. Just a matter of when, right? He's going to be the highest paid quarterback in the history of the world. Just a matter of by how much. I've never heard that out of Seattle Seahawks.
1: Just because you've never heard it doesn't mean that that's not true. Also, why are you mad at me? Yeah, why are you yelling these points? What's
2: this tone about, sir?
1: Yeah, like, people think we get worked up over this kind of negotiation, like, all these shows that happen throughout the day here on 710 ESPN Seattle. But I don't think there's anybody that's had a tone of voice like that. Maybe Mike Salk has gotten there. Yeah. But right now, I don't think anybody here is, like, vehemently, like, down someone's throat about Russell Wilson's contract the way Lock on 4 was right there. It's like, dude, <laughs> chill, man. Dude, it's
2: almost the weekend. Just chill out. Yeah,
1: we're, we're closer to the weekend than we are to the start of it's the week. It's
2: basically Thursday. Yeah. Which is basically Friday. Which
1: is basically the weekend.
2: So calm down. There it is. Um. Okay, listen, you guys, I love this, this fun time that we've had with picking numbers. Mm-hmm. But I got to end it with Bo choosing number 78. Ooh. Bo, you're the last one. I just got from 253. I'm listener number 4692. You know what, 253? Respect, but I'm not going to remember that. No. I mean, <laughs> no you picking two, your own number. More than
1: two digits, that's going yeah. to be a little more difficult. It's going to be a little more difficult. Too hard. Uh, yeah, coming up next, though, the last remnants of the AAF continue to, I guess... Just simmer. I would say it continues
2: to look messier.
1: Yeah, it's not a good look for anyone involved. It makes you. It may. I got to be honest. The AAF. Like I feel awful for the players. Yeah. Like those are the people who have been hurt the most this by next all segment this. is
2: going to fire you up then
1: yeah absolutely the AAF continues to look just absolutely pathetic we talk that next Curtis Rogers Stacy Ross right here Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle
0: you're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers Jake Heaps and Stacy Ross powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle
1: Welcome back into Seattle sports at night with you for just a little bit longer here on this Wednesday night. We weren't lying when we said it was a quick one. You blink and you're, you're going to miss it. Uh, Mariners win it tonight, six to five over the Kansas city Royals. They're 12 and two on the season. They go for win number 13 already tomorrow. And they look for a four game sweep of the Kansas city Royals. They look to finish this road trip seven and one after finishing their very first eight game stretch uh, at 7 and 1 or no they will look to finish this road trip at 6 and 1 mm-hmm. after finishing 7 and 1 through their first eight games i mean it's impossible to keep that stretch up but i mean every single day it is a brand new story and i'm excited for i mean uh, i thought the their couple of weeks. the
2: home run streak would end until the ninth, to be honest.
1: Yeah, it was looking bleak there. Two outs in the ninth. Mitch Hanniger steps in. He deposits one in the Mariners. That's all they needed. I also tonight. worried
2: about extra innings because I have poor work ethic.
1: Mm, there it is. <laughs> I was worried, too, because the longer the Mariners go, that's the later we hit the airwaves. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross here with you for just a few more moments Uh, If you weren't, it's kind of buried now with the AAF no longer in existence. These headlines about just how dysfunctional the leadership was in that league, they continue to trickle out in the aftermath of them pulling the plug on themselves. What was it, last week? And Mm -hmm. today, a lawsuit, a class action lawsuit was filed in the state of California Uh, From two former AAF players, Colton Schmidt, who was a punter, and linebacker Reggie Northrup, Uh, these two guys filed a class action lawsuit on behalf of all AAF players against the league executives, mainly Charlie Ebersol. I believe Bill Polian is involved in this. Yeah, they aren't necessarily.
2: I saw a, a tweet earlier in response to the news story with someone saying, how can you sue a defunct league? It's not the league. Itself. It's the owners of which are billionaires.
1: Yeah. And so these people are very rich. They can afford to make payouts. And we heard that there were times in this season where guys, you know, probably run into the bank as soon as they got their game check because they didn't know if it was going to clear or not. And today we're seeing more and more of just the crazy stories that have go- that have come from the extinction of this league, guys, being stranded in towns, having to pay hotel bills that teams said they were going to pick up. Stacy, you were diving deep into... Took a
2: deep dive. You
1: did, into the lawsuit and just kind of the big bullet points that you saw, the ones that really jumped out to you. What were some of those?
2: Okay, so as a primer... The class action lawsuit is essentially uh, to sue for damages, saying that the league lied about basically their financial health, right? That they players found out last minute. There was a story about players for, uh, what was it, maybe the Apollos, finding out on their phones, like the notification that came out, the news broke around noon, finding out on their phones around lunch. And that was the first time they found out about it uh, was was when all of us did. So, uh Clearly, players didn't have uh, the right insight into just how financially healthy and viable this league was. So the lawsuit says, basically, A, we wouldn't have put our bodies in danger uh, if we would have known this. B, we wouldn't have signed a contract that kept us from talking to any NFL team or seeking opportunities if we had known this. Uh, And then I think they, C, added some labor law violations and stuff. Uh, in there that are legitimately like if if, serious, if legitimately yeah. serious stuff for instance, players uh initially what was in here they
1: initially weren't
2: paid after the initial game. did you what? know that after the first AAF game, players which, were not paid,
1: which is why they had to wait till week two for that bailout
2: yes so I think what that highlights is that this league was in trouble with money. Before news broke even about Dundon that this this was an issue and they were hiding it from players
1: I think they the goal or the how they tried to launch league was that of like a startup company. so
2: that's the thing is that Charlie Ebers- Ebersol uh, when he would talk to players um, or investors, the lawsuit says he says that all investors in the league understood that the league required patience and wisdom to succeed. And, quote, if you are not committed to 7 to 10 years, you're not taking this seriously. And he kept telling players this is a long-term plan. It's going to be over many years. Every player signed a three-year deal. Um, and, the, and then is it Tim Dundon or Tom Dundon? Tom Dundon. I honestly don't care, but whatever. T. Dunn. Uh, when he initially uh, did his investment and then he got ownership over the rights to their gambling app also with that purchase, um, he said, there's enough money to run this league for a long time. We're good for many years to come with what I just did. And it's just that players from the get go were told like this, the AAF signed uh, a multi year deal with an apparel company to be like the the apparel of the, le- of the league, be in charge of all those uniforms. So everything from the get-go, from a player's point of view, including the contract that you sign and the contract you agree with and what they hold you to, everything was, hey, you're signing on for something long-term. And I think if anyone says, well, hey, you're playing football. Who really cares? You knew this was a startup. Well, if I'm going to a company that I think is a startup and they have reputable people in charge of it and they make me sign a multi-year deal and they say we have enough money to keep this running for at least a couple years and they say hey we're focusing on the long term and on top of that at this new job at the startup that i go to i could break my ankle tomorrow like this is a problem for me when it turns out that that was all a lie
1: i cannot wait for the 30 for 30 on this league yeah because the XFL, the, the original XFL, looks like a well-oiled machine compared to what the AAF put forth.
2: And that was initially kind of a joke from the get-go. I know Vince McMahon was serious about it, but you know, outside of it, it was seen as a gimmick. This was tried. This was an attempt to pitch something as almost a vocational program and a real opportunity for players. And I think it's that sincerity with which they pitched it that makes it more insidious.
1: And I mean, it, it leaves a terrible taste in your mouth. If you care about these players and, and I mean, you got to realize that the guys in the AAF, they're not making a ton of money as it is like they knew going in, you're not going to be making millions and millions of dollars. These are guys just looking for another shot at the playing the game that they mm-hmm. love and, and playing a sport that they've played their entire life. M- you know, maybe injuries are why they're not in the NFL right now, or they, they want to give it another go and all of a sudden like these guys who are so desperate for cash already get treated as though they're expendable by these billionaire people right it's so heartbreaking to watch
2: well and what what isn't quite clear from the lawsuit when i was reading through it is is how, how much of the salary is being contested so so players say in the lawsuit that they have not been paid the salary they were promised and the league has – they haven't just not been paid, but the league said it either can't or won't pay them that. So I'm not sure if that's the $70,000 for the first year salary that every player signed a contract for um, or if that's the entirety of the three-year deal. If that's just the one-year deal that you – the first year of the deal that you signed uh, when they said, okay, we're going to pay you 70000 this year and you don't get that, that is a violation of labor yeah. laws. I mean, I, there wasn't a player union, but – but again, it's just all of it's just this really gross thing of billionaires playing a game as if it's a startup when there are real people involved.
1: And on that note, we're going to head on out of here. Hey! This has been Seattle Sports Night. We will be back with you tomorrow, 7 to 9 p.m. tomorrow night, a little earlier in the evening for you. For Stacey Ross, I'm Curtis Rogers. This is Seattle Sports Night on 710 ESPN Seattle.